it's a saga at this point. <laughs> We're in the middle is, of a. Is that because you listened to Rain on Me a lot this weekend? You're calling it a saga. You know, I haven't listened to Rain. I mean, it's good. It's gay rights. I mean, it's like. You can't I mean, be, first of all, you can't be shrugging as gay rights. Either it is shoulders back gay rights or it's not gay rights. I mean, did she reinvent the wheel? No. Is it a bop? Yeah. Like, I mean, she's not like, she didn't do anything different. It's two girls singing about being, like, having drinking problems. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's a song about her relationship with alcohol. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, there's, it's, the lyric is, I'd rather be dry, at least I'm alive. Oh, my God. I cannot with the Gaga Saga. Yeah, no, it's... The Gaga Saga is not how I am going to be living my summer. I'm not going to. I'm not going to be wrapped up in a Saga, a Gaga Saga. I won't do it. I think my religion is actually Saga Gaga. <laughs> Let us pray. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Tony Soto Show. My name is the great and powerful Tony Soto. Joining me is Maxwell Esposito. Hello, I am also great and relatively powerful today as well. Oh, relatively powerful. I mean, I have a smoothie, so you know that's my go-go juice. She? Oh, really? I know. I thought yeah. I thought iced coffee was your go-go juice. Well, I mean, it's all are we making love. changes? Are you trying to get off the coffee? You know, I keep telling myself I want to, but I can't. I mean, I now that I'm on taco based schedule, I wake up at like five in the morning and I drink so many cups. So now you That's know, like so a chatty. now you know, like what a, a heroin addict is like now, or like an alcoholic. Is, is that what it's like? Well, I mean, uh, only alcoholics and heroin addicts and any other addict is, do I hear. Uh, I I want to stop, but I can't. You know, that's that's pretty. Uh, yeah, yeah. I would say, uh, yeah. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. You're, you're like one step away from an IV drug user. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I always say I would love an IV drip of cold brew. So really, you're not wrong. I am literally two steps away <laughs> from that. I love it. I love it. Um, how are you, Maxwell? I'm good. I am good news. I am coronavirus negative. I got tested on Thursday. I did the drive-through testing, and they actually got my test results back really fast. I was told it would be seven days, and we went Thursday night, and I got an email this morning that wow, it, uh, yesterday morning. Sorry, yesterday being Tuesday. Now, um, morning. Well, let me ask you: Does that make you more concerned or less concerned? Because I mean, that means that at any given point when you were sick, that wasn't coronavirus, so it's not like you have well, antibodies. No, I. I didn't get an antibody test. I only got the like a mouth swab test. So I do not currently have got it. coronavirus. That does not mean that when I was sick back in the day that I had it. Um, I mean, and I was also told that there's a lot of false positives so and negatives. So <laughs> yeah, girl, the um, system is broken. The system is broken. Yeah, but get no, back to no, work. Is but get back to work. Broken. But get back to work. I mean, like what the fuck? Uh, like what the fuck? What the fuck is that? Get back to work. I'm like you first. You first. I mean, I'll, 
you know, I want to go back to work and I am even willing to take a pay cut to go back to work just to have something to do. But I'm not taking a pay cut to die. Yeah, girl. It's going to be safe. Listen, it's not. And that's you can guarantee right now it's not. And they're rushing to a fucking vaccine. No, it's not. It's not. Um, I mean, we'll find out after this weekend, um, you know, because it was Memorial Day. Yeah. How was your Memorial Day weekend? You know, it was really anticlimactic. Taco Bay and I uh, borrow. We were dog sitting. Taco Bay has joint custody of a dog with his one of his exes. Yeah, that's not so annoying dog- at all. What? That's not annoying at all. <laughs> um, I mean, it's whatever. We like Lola. She, she's, she's a good time. Gays like want so dog. badly to be fucking just like the straights. Now they have joint custody. With okay, well, how was it? Did 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 the did the stepdaughter give you shade? She was so rude when she showed up, actually. Yeah, you're not mom, bitch. You're not mom. Okay. And I don't love her. I do not like (laughs) animals. I do not want a pet. I like. (laughs) I do not love her. Do you hear this? But listen, Maxwell Esposito has never made a secret about uh, the fact that he doesn't care for animals. Um, He doesn't like. I do in the sense that like they deserve rights, but like I don't want them to touch me. Like I don't necessarily want them around me but they are i want them to live and i want them to be safe i bet you give you give off a don't touch me vibe too i'm sure i'm sure that you don't get it they always want me to touch them uh really yeah no it was when i came back from a run it was so excited to see me i was like why do you want am i so ultimately warmed up to you yes no she's been around before i like she's okay She's an okay dog. Oh, cause but, now she's okay. Now we're backpedaling yeah. just in case Taco Bay hears this. And here's he what, listens. He's a fan. And here's what you think about your fucking uh, stepdaughter. Um, no, it oh, is not annoying. my stepdaughter. I do not own her. I have nothing to do with her. There are two people's phone numbers on her tag, and they're not mine. So there you go. That, oh my god, that reminds me of when I signed my rights away for Audrey Al. I was, I was like, there are two people right there that wanna. I don't wanna. Oh my god. <laughs> Speaking of that, you know, I've been watching. I want to hear about your weekend, but I want to tell you about the show I started watching. I started watching Labor of Love, which is that new Fox garbage show about a woman who's basically looking for a man to load her up and get her pregnant. Wait, is this a reality show? Yes. Why are you and bringing I, reality show to my podcast? Because it's a, <laughs> the first episode they had to jerk off into a cup and get their uh, sperm tested. And oh. the winner who had the highest sperm count was the winner. Of You're kidding me. I Bible. It is the best. It's like Joe Millionaire trash, but about this woman who just wants to get loaded up and get pregged. Which I love. <laughs> but she don't want no connection. She don't want no connection. No, she wants to have, like, she wants them to get married. But, like, the whole point of them getting married is they both want to have a kid. I hate it. But also, like, let me tell you. Let me tell you how real people do it. <laughs> I mean, that's how my mom did it. My mom got married three times. The third time she wanted to marry him for a kid. And that's where I came in. No, I mean jerking off in a cup. Uh, oh. Because that was... <laughs> Because that was not a sterile process when I was doing it. That was literally like I went by the Chipotle downtown and I picked up their guacamole to go things, you know. I grabbed like about four or five of those and then I would just like jerk off in those and then I would like hand off a bag to them when they would come pick it up. They'd drive back from the suburbs into the city and it'd be like oh, a, what, my- it'd be like a drug transaction. I'd be like, here's my semen in the dark of night typically. I can remember the porno that made her. And it was, and listen, it was, 
it was less than respectful. Like <laughs> we should try to get the star of that as a guest on the show. Um, I'm not sure what she's doing anymore with her career, but uh, she was living her best life at the time. I'll tell you that. Um, how how was your Memorial Day weekend? Did you do anything fun? Up and down. Oh, it was up and then it was down. You know, we keep going on with the roller coaster. It's been a roller coaster um, first. Um, uh, I am a little tan now. I was talking to Shay Coulee, uh, today actually. And she was like, did you do something this weekend? Cause you look really tan. No, I've been hanging out on my roof and doing 30 minutes on each side every other day. Cause that was Love something that. I was like, I'm not brown enough for it to be May in LA. Um, so I, I've been, I've been browning, which has been nice. And then after your, uh, review of, um, LSD last week, I was like, well, I want to do LSD. So, um, I too did LSD, uh, on Friday night and, um, wow, it was great. (laughs) It It was was a good time. It was like one of the best trips I've had in a long time. So that was super great. And then, um, on Saturday, for some reason I got up and went on a hike in Malibu. Oh, how'd she get to Malibu? (laughs) Um, so a friend was in town from San Jose and so they drove. I had a mask on and the window down. Um, that's good that's yeah. good yeah 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 keep those keep that moisture out, away from your face but you know there's nothing i hate worse than if i can just if i can just live my um my, my privilege here my american i'm a free motherfucker privilege i don't like wearing a mask when i'm out hiking like it's really the, or if i'm if or I'm, I'm working out or if, or anything like that like i don't uh I, I don't like to have like something in between a big breath just in case i need it you know so, um, but neither did anyone else basically in Malibu. I mean, there were people who had masks on, but there were definitely people who weren't. And it was busy. The trail was busy. However, I mean, you're walking next to, I don't know. I mean, it was a nice hike, but also I was kind of like, there's a lot of people here. When we hiked, I was went did a social distance hike. I met some friends and we wore masks. We didn't wear masks when we were walking as a group, like far away. But when we passed others, we did put our masks on. Yeah, you know, I I think I I play the up and down game when I'm walking around in the city for sure. Because the thing is, it's like um, the weather. Well, it's hot. Fuck it, it's gonna get hot now. But like the weather's been pretty amazing recently here in Los Angeles. It's so like, been a ten. And what I like to do when the weather is amazing is walk around and smoke weed and drink coffee. Like that's like yeah. something I love to do. And so, amen. And traffic has definitely increased here in Los Angeles. However, like there are still like times where you can like get away with walking in the middle of the streets and places. So mm-hmm. there's no, so there's nothing better than like walking around the middle street, LA's beautiful 75 and sunny, you know, cool breeze, just <clears throat> smoking a joint, walking around the neighborhood. You live by some fancy houses. You could go walk by rich people's houses. So, I love walking through all, by all the houses of my neighborhood going, wow, I'll afford this one day maybe. And also the crazy amount of places that are open for rent. Like, like, I don't know what happened, but a lot of people up and hightailed it out of Los Angeles. Uh, there are a There's lot. There's no work. 
yeah, there are a lot of fucking rentals going on right now. Like, um, mm-hmm. but from what I hear is like, it's not like prices are any different. They're, they haven't lowered anything. So it's like, they, listen, Trump is working real hard to get us back out there. So they're thinking things will get normal soon. Um, I mean, well, I guess we're going to see. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, real quick, uh, so I said it was ups and downs over the weekend. Um, so there definitely was a down, uh, the world lost a very, very funny, uh, person who I love very much. My friend Richard passed away, uh, on Memorial day. And, um, you know, it's just one of these situations where what we're hearing now on the news is like, you know, domestic violence is up, child abuse is up, suicides are up, um, and you have to think like this is a really solitary situation for a lot of people like Richard was always the friend who uh wanted to like not do and I'm not talking ill about him he's a comic and he would get the joke but like he would always be like uh let's fucking hang out let's fucking hang out you know like during this pandemic and I would always be like um hey I'm doing this right I'm trying to fucking do this right you know um, and, and you just don't think that like, that's like, it's not, it's hard not to think the let's hang out, let's hang out was, was an asking, you know, for help, um, mm-hmm. in, in some way or another, but like, we had just seen each other on Thursday of last week. Um, he seemed in high spirits. Uh, but then I got a text from him the night, uh, before and, mm-hmm. It didn't seem like a goodbye text when I first read it, but then after I got the news on Monday, it definitely reads like that now. So, I mean, it's a little tough, Um, but rest in peace, Richard, because you were fucking one of the good ones. Um, Anyway. uh, I'm so sorry, and you are loved by me and many people out there. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just think about situations like this where you're like, um, I mean, like I had I had angst as a teenager, you know, and I was like, I didn't want to end it all. You know what I mean? But I've uh, you know, I I don't ever judge anyone negatively who chooses suicide because I've never felt that kind of pain, a, a pain where like you don't feel like you deserve anything but that like you truly don't think you're as great as you really, really are. I've never experienced that. I have a very, very high opinion of myself. And I feel like anyone who disagrees with me is wrong. So I don't know what it is like to feel that kind of loneliness and desperation. And I always knew that he was happiest in a group. And, um, you know, it's it sucks because we're in a pandemic and you can't just run out and go and embrace your friends and and mourn openly. So it's been it's been tough and it's it's not going to get any easier for a little while longer, but I loved him. Um, guys, we have, uh, we're going to switch gears. I hate to bring it down, then bring it back up, but roller coasters. Um, yeah, we keep our fans on a roller coaster as well. They like it. They, I mean, they write in, they told us they love to hear you spiral. Um, so, guys, Maxwell and I had the great fortune to see a film recently. Um, that was going to be uh, premiering at Tribeca this year. But obviously, because of the pandemic, um, that's not going to happen. But 
The film will be able to be seen at some point. It's called P.S. Burn This Letter, Please. It is a beautiful nugget <clears throat> of, of LGBT history regarding um, uh, drag, uh, female impersonation. Um, it follows uh, letters that were written 60 years ago uh, from Queens to another friend that they have. And... Uh, our guest today, Craig Olson, who is the producer, and Michael, uh, oh, I hope I'm saying this right, uh, Seligman, uh, who is the director of the film, are going to be joining us after the break so we can talk about this film. You enjoyed it, right, Maxwell? It was really great. I really liked it. It, it was, was now, very That was gay rights. You know what I mean? Yes. No, that was gay rights. I learned some things. Yeah. I mean, I love things that teach me about queer culture and I love queer stories. I think sharing queer stories is really important because that's how people learn about being queer. And there's not a lot of stories. Like, honestly, a lot of our, our it, 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 it's mentioned in the film that uh, you don't know of a lot because if people pass on uh, and their family finds um, correspondence or things that show that they were gay, it's very possible that shit's destroyed and that we never get to see it. You know what I mean? So like, this is, this is, um, you always hear post Stonewall. You always hear from Stonewall and after this is a little glimpse on how the LGBTQ community lived before Stonewall. Like, and it was great to see that they were still unabashedly <clears throat> queer even then, you know, mm -hmm. like, um, queerness was strong and we're very lucky, but let's, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Craig and we're going to talk to Michael about the film, about the process of the film, uh, the film. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, do you want more Tony Soto? I completely understand. If you want more of me, tune into the Gay Power Half Hour available on iTunes, hosted by me, Tony Soto, and my good Judy, Casey Lai. It's 30 minutes of funny faggotry you won't want to miss. Check us out on iTunes, the Gay Power Half Hour. All right, we are back with the show. Now, uh, before the break... We were talking about Maxwell. We were talking about how there's there's not a lot of gay history out there. There's not a lot of LGBT queer history. And uh, we were fortunate enough to see this film, P.S. Burn This Letter, Please. And I'm so yeah. happy that we have the producer and person who started this whole thing, Craig Olson, and the director of the film, Michael Seligman. Uh, That's right. Hi, guys. How y'all doing? Welcome. Hi. Hi. Thank you for joining us. Oh, show. Um, the most fun I've had all week. Oh, is it? <laughs> See, this is like good. Good. I like that. I, I at this point we need to bring as much joy as we can, and if it's just an appearance right. on a on a dumb little podcast, then I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So. <clears throat> I am I, great. I don't know if the film is fucking beautiful and um oh, and I'm and and thrilled that we were able to see it. Um now if you don't know my backstory, I'm a drag queen, a current drag queen, you know. So this was like <laughs> this was like a glimpse into one's future. So I dealt with a lot of things. <laughs> I dealt with a lot of things during this moment. But um <laughs> but you know, I the, the Tony Soto show has been like a 
up until recently a RuPaul's Drag Race uh, 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 recap show. Uh, I, I always say that because of Drag Race, the fan base for that show is mm-hmm. not necessarily the queer community anymore. Right. And so the history of drag is lost uh, uh, because they don't care about that. It's it's right. gone. It's gone beyond that. So Craig, right. so are were you a fan of drag before Craig? Like. Uh, um. You know, I'm one of the old 90s girls. I, uh, I've been doing drag for about 25 years. I love the art form of drag. Work. You know, I have my opinions about drag. I have opinions about today's drag, yesterday's drag, a century ago's drag, you know. Um, but I love the art form of drag, and I've always been a good drag queen, you know. But um, so finding these letters, I realized I've never seen anything like this. I don't know where I came from. I had no clue. And I don't think most of the drag queens out there, even the ones on RuPaul's Drag Race, I think I don't think they have any idea no. of where their history came from. Um, because I don't think most gay people know where their history came from. I mean, I know people understand AIDS and they understand Stonewall, if you're lucky. Uh, but before that, there's nothing. Yeah. There's these letters and showed them to Michael. We were like, wow. And this and this is, is and this is what we were saying uh, saying before we before we came here. It's like uh, this is this is stuff that happened. We only hear Stonewall and after. We never hear how the queer community lived before that. Michael, right. Michael, when you when you got onto this project uh, and t- to directing it, now I know that you have you've worked uh, for the Beast, uh, which is <laughs> which is RuPaul's Drag Race, correct? Yes. Yeah, we just finished doing the uh, reunion and finale episodes, remote episodes, which was a whole trip. Uh, so so what was it for you when uh because craig obviously you went did you go straight to michael and say that we need to do something with this immediately i was like michael you gotta get over here you gotta read <laughs> when you read these letters i mean they're like you feel like you shouldn't be reading these because they're so descriptive in terms of what they're wearing where they're going falling in love having sex getting arrested uh it felt like very like a diary, like you know. It's, it's we like, like Anne Frank's dirty super diary. Personal. Yeah. Really personal, yeah. So, yeah. What, so Michael, what was it like for you when you uh, when when Craig came to you and said, "This is we need to do something with this." Well, you know, I have like, I have a huge interest in research. I love research. I spend a lot of time reading books and Google, and my house is filled with biographies and stuff. And having you know, I started working on Drag Race in season. Um, Four, the Sharon Needle season, um, and that was like my first real deep dive into like be- being in that drag world. You know, um, I had done drag before because Craig would, you know, twist my arm. We would go out to drag strip and do fun stuff, you know, once in a while or Halloween and that kind of thing. But like really understanding the drag culture of it all um, from these people who had dedicated, like you, like dedicated their lives to to, to drag. And, you know, learning that and learning, like, lingo and, like, the language and, and, and just some of the customs and stuff like that. And then reading these letters that happened, you know, were written 60-some-odd years ago and going, like, oh, my God, there is a direct 
like like the 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 lineage is is apparent like the word mopping meaning shoplifting there's no book on drag queen there's no like you know drag queens for dummies you know like if you want to learn something you have to go into that world and find it yourself and how did it survive pretty much intact for all of these decades considering that we've lost you know a whole generation of queens in the 80s and 90s um and like, you know, so that was like fascinating to me is like, how, how did all of this survive, you know, all done sort of like underground and in, in, in the shadows. And what's interesting too, is when Michael started calling the archives, we started really delving into it. We would call like major archives across America. And we'd say, do you have any content of queer people in general or uh, drag queen? And they're like, you got what? And we're like, because it doesn't exist. The history does not exist. And we knew, we knew immediately it was something special. And we knew immediately that this was a story that we, that had to be told. We didn't know how we were going to tell it. We'd never made a documentary before, but we knew it was important. And we wanted to make a thoughtful, tender film that could be educational and also give people hope. Like that little queer kid in Kansas can live another day knowing that they're connected to their history. Yeah, how did you guys come up with like approaching interviewing the uh, like the uh, people that for the sh- movie? Like, how did you guys come up with those questions? Especially like they really were telling a story, and like you guys really got them to tell a story. Like, how did you come up with that? Especially they answered some really like queer lingo and stuff like that. So, how did you get them to answer those questions? It was really it was a challenge, you know. Despite the fact that these people, most of them you know, lived fairly out lives for, you know, 60, 70, 80 years. Um, there was still kind of a fear around talk, going on the record about this stuff. Like some of them were just like out and proud. Like Adrian was like, whatever, ask me anything. I'll tell you anything. But like people like Terry or Robbie or, um, you know, Michael, they um, took a lot of, Coaxing and my co-director, our co-director Jen Teixeira, you know, she's like super patient and you know, and we we just had to be like really diligent about you know finding the people and then like kind of wearing them down in a way and like making them feel comfortable and then, but you know some of them like even on the day we showed up to interview they're like uh so sorry that you went through all this trouble but i don't really think i don't want to do it talk about this well so so coaxing them and then at the end of that them feeling like oh my god thank you so much for giving me this opportunity i feel like i've been hanging on to this story for a really long time for some reason and now i feel like you know at the age of 86 or whatever like i got it off my chest yeah and the queens were fabulous i mean they were fabulous yeah if we haven't been completely clear, so the, so the film focuses on correspondence from a bunch of drag queens uh, to a friend who no longer lived in their city. And it was just right. it was just giving the tea, spilling the tea on what was going on at home, being like basically you're and so and so now these women are are these 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 performers. A lot of them go by different things too, like uh, yes. like female illusionists or uh, mimics yes. and mimics. Don't you dare like, call me a drag queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. drag queens but were like. Offensive. Well, it's funny because it's funny <laughs> because drag queens don't make money. That's that was that, yeah. that's what I yes. took away from that. I was like, they're like drag queens don't make money. It's female yeah. illusionists are the ones who make money but like these girls these these performers are like 80 like maybe oh, pushing 90 years old like 90, yeah. like did you think in your mind um 
there's no way uh, that we could probably find them? Or did you think we should try to find them? We... Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we thought for sure most of these people probably would have gone during the AIDS crisis. Yeah. And to find them would be very difficult because in these letters that they write, they always use their drag name. They sign off with their drag name because of what they write in the letters. They would be uh, kicked out of their apartment. They'd be kicked out of their church, their community. Uh, their parents would turn their back on them. They would be a let go of their jobs. So they were very sort of underground with the, even the way they signed off on these letters. And so when Michael especially got kudos to him, he really went deep into research. And we used everything from Google to actually hiring a private investigator to find this, these people. And then you learn, without giving too much away, you learn what happens to these people. Um, and thank God. Some of them are still with us. You got nine, like, like, nine. You, like, like yeah. you, you. We were let into nine, to, and what I love about this now, what you guys need to understand about this film is like, I don't know that these queens have even seen each other in God only right. knows how long, and so then when they're when you're giving them uh, uh, photos and shit, and I love how they have all the same stories, like we talk about Josephine being a bit of a thief. You know, like I love, I love shit like that because also it'd be like, oh yeah, but she's my Judy. Like I love her, but yeah, but don't right. leave nothing with her. You know what I mean? It's like, right, right. yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, I, and I look at it like, you, you know, you said that you were a '90s gal. I started in the early 2000s, and even then, it's like we weren't making fucking money. You no, know what I mean? and by the way, even back in the '90s when you went to drag race, because I do real femme drag, like I just real. There is like, you think I'm a woman. And because uh, I go for every detail. And so I, I guess I would say I'm a female mimic, not a drag queen. <laughs> <laughs> now, looking back, I've seen this film. I'm a female mimic. I got an act. Um, but I, I, even in the community, even in the gay community back then, we'd go to drag. The other drag queens were kind of in booger drag. And they would be like, what is this? This is fetish. This isn't, what am I looking at? This is, this is something beyond. And I, oh, you're talking about drag strip? Drag and it wasn't yeah, yeah. really accepted. My drag wasn't accepted. It was too real. And it's interesting how our own community can kind of marginalize each other. And it's just, thank God for RuPaul for bringing things more mainstream. And, and um, thank God that, that people are turning uh, towards the interest of drag. Because really what people need to understand is drag is an art form. It's art. It's theater. It's theater in the moment. It's you know, and it's like it's there for a second, and then it's gone, and you're lucky enough to be in the presence of a drag queen to experience what's going on in the moment. And it's just people need to understand. Now, it's not a fetish. Drag is not a fetish. Well, my question is, um, you know, I I hold, uh, you know, drag race. I have a lot of girls have gone through it. You know, a lot of friends, um, but I've seen the darker side as a result of it. Like, mm -hmm. is this for the Drag Race fan base, or is this something like the queer community can just hold for themselves? You know, because... Michael and I have talked about this a lot, because, you know, if we're going to tell a story and we're going to send a message out there, we want this film to be for everybody. Definitely it's for the gay culture, so that they can get a connection to their past. That's so important to us. And Michael and I have always said, listen, 
if there's one person out there in middle America, some little gay kid, some questioning, transgender, and they see this movie and it affects them, they can live another day knowing that they're connected to their past. Yeah. Because education and understanding your history helps you live another day. But then on the other side of the coin, we want straight people to understand the education and the persecution that so many gay people went through during this time period. And it's it's really an educational film that should be discussed in schools uh, and the history should be exposed. And and so it's really a film for everyone. Now, definitely it's a gay anthem documentary. It's yeah. like it's one of those, if you're gay and you're a drag queen or you love drag, this is a movie you must see. Otherwise, we're taking your gay card away. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's that kind of a film. And I think it's one of those films that will resonate for decades because there's nothing like it and there will, there will never be anything like it again. Well, this film, this film has ultimately been affected by the pandemic. You guys were accepted right. into Tribeca yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, and that was going to be huge for you. So, Michael, what is the plan with the film now? Like, our, our, when, do, when, do we get to, when does the world get to see it? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it was, such a, it was such a bummer. I mean, because, like, the pandemic hit just, like, weeks before the premiere. And, you know, there was, there was I think, maybe in a, a whole week or two of, like, are we going to have the festival? Are we not going to have the festival? If we do have the festival, is anybody going to want to sit in a movie theater? But, like, mostly we were excited because five of the nine queens that are in the film were going to be able to attend the premiere and sit in this movie theater that, by the way, used to be a drag club in the 1930s and 40s, which is just kind of amazing in the um, East Village. And, um, you know, that, that to us, I think, always was like, we want them to have their moment where they can right. stand up and take a bow because... To us, they're heroes. You know, you talk to them and they're just like, oh, it was just a job. It was just a thing I did. Like, it was just a whatever. It was a way to make money. It was a way to have fun. It was a way to just express myself. And we're like, but you were fucking heroes because <laughs> it, it wasn't like, you know, nowadays, and, and no tea, no shade, but all tea, all shade, like, you know, they leaving their house with lipstick on was a risky thing like wearing high heels and walking down the street or getting into a cab was a risky thing. And they would say that the most dangerous time for a queen was between the, the, the car and the club. Yeah. Because you were an open target. And by the way, there is no lawyer in New York City that was going to take your case if you got arrested or beat up or kicked out of your house or you lost your job because they would say, well, but there's something wrong with you because you're a man who dresses up like a woman. Yeah. So um, anyway, so... Long story short, like within terms of the film, like we've kind of, you know, there's still LGBT film festivals that are coming up that haven't been canceled yet. Yeah. Um, more like September and beyond. Um, so really, like as Craig said, you know, first and foremost, I think this is a movie for the queer community yeah. because we deserve to know our own history. We deserve to be able to know where we came from, you know, and to us, like, queer history starts at Stonewall and moves forward. Like, yeah. there's very, very little about queer history prior to that. And what is, it's like, everybody was alcoholic, 
in the closet, ashamed, embarrassed, whatever. Oh, they were not ashamed at all. <laughs> no, we've been cool for a long time. I like the party. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, and I always say, you know, because um, I'm from Illinois. I'm from rural Illinois. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, wasn't necessarily not a swishy little bitch. You know what I mean? Like there was yeah. no, there was no hiding my queerness even at a young age. And it's like, I always talk about, I talk about on the Tony Soto show all the time about the isolation that a lot of the queer community experiences and the want to get out. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, when you see this film, like not only does it put in, well, why did I get into drag? Yeah, because it was for fun. Like, we would go out to the clubs, we'd get drinks bought for us. Like, we weren't fucking making money. It wasn't, uh, you weren't, right. it wasn't a career choice. I didn't know, yeah. people were like in Chicago, I didn't see any girls who were like, oh, this is what I do for a living. No, they did other shit too, you know? And, and now it's like, it's, I can't be mad. I'm making good money off of it right now. <laughs> <laughs> I get, yes. but I am, but I love the community. You know what I mean? Like I've been, a, <laughs> I've been a bar queen my whole life. I still am a bar queen, not a Zoom queen. You're a but, Silver Lake icon. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but um, I know, and that's like the hard thing right now. I feel like so much, you know, like in researching this history, like they talk about gay bars, which we kind of maybe in some ways take for granted. Um, but like those were our churches, you know, for a long time. Those were our meeting places. Those are where we went to go be around our friends and family. And I really wonder, like, how how much like the you know queer people are suffering right now because they don't have learn the words bitch to come and like you know express themselves or just come and hang out or just be amongst community. You yeah. know, it's it's like um, without our bars, like. But I mean, where else do we have? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and see, well, see, yeah. this is the thing. We were talking about Grinder too. Grinder, like, uh, literally kind of was the beginning of the death of the gay bar because it was like, yep. oh, and, and, because I remember a documentary, Small Town Gay Bar. Uh, yeah. And how, like, just the death of gay bars springing up all over the place. But now we're sitting here like, oh, God, we hope they don't fucking uh, close. And it's like, yeah. Well, why didn't you think about that prior? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, well, listen, this film is important. I loved it. Maxwell, did you have anything else that you wanted to add? I was going to say the part about gay bars what is super important. I think right now, especially with like the stud closing and like, I mean, my boyfriend and I have different queer experiences and he didn't grow up in gay bars and I did. I was 19 with a fake yeah. ID. I think telling those stories was is so important because i mean gay bars need to stay around because there is yeah. no safe space for queer people like a gay bar. right right yeah so, and shout yeah, out to the queen story, thank, like thank you for sharing this story because it was it was really i think important i have yeah. one to ask you guys um are you team Gigi, team crystal <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Team Jada, yeah. Oh, I'm not. I'm not watching this season. I'm now. I'm so sorry. I'm. I, you're not watching. Um, it is one of the best seasons. I know. Really Listen, I've heard it. I've heard it. A lot of people have told me. I understand. But I mean, I'm going to be watching All Stars because okay, you had better fucking listen. Shea Coulee can't lose again. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and I'll Shea tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> 
if she does, I just can't, I can't say nice things about y'all anymore. I can't, I won't. I won't. My, my, one of my friend's 13 year old daughter is like, she is, she is in the same boat. She is like, uh-uh. I'll tell you, I, I never, and on any time someone wants to woohoo Sasha at learn the words, bitch, or try to act like feathers out of your wig was something impressive, I let them know it was bullshit. I just want you to know that. <laughs> Just want you to know. Um, I love Shea Coulee. Justice for Shea Coulee. That's my bitch. Well, listen, guys. Whenever you can check out P.S. Burn this letter, please look at it. There's information online. They can at least like read, like look at it. Yeah, go to follow us on Instagram. That's probably where we have our most stuff. P.S. Burn this letter, please. Yeah. Get her soon. Once we can all get to it again. Yeah. And Craig, thank you so much for first of all stumbling a, a. upon the letters and immediately knowing that they had value and importance. Um, Thank you. One more, where did you find them? Well, you know, um, I will say that they uh, were officially owned by a very prominent Hollywood figure. And I won't reveal it because it's revealed at the very end of the movie. Um, But we ended up going through his storage unit to throw things away. And I picked up this box and I pulled out this letter. And when I started reading it, I was like, what the hell is this? This is a drag queen. Yeah. And it was like 1953. And I was like, and it was another letter and another letter. There's like about 200 letters. And they're all so fucking amazing. And you know what yeah. stood out to me, I think, the most in the, in the film was when they were talking about, we don't have this kind of history because someone might find out that their dead relative was gay by finding shit and they destroy it. And I guess, I guess my message to, to the straight community is if you have an elder gay relative and uh, put away whatever shame you might have for them and save their stuff because it's historical. Yeah. And we were, and we were robbed of it. Like, you know, cause they always thought they liked uh, uh, gay history should be taught in schools. I was like, how, what? Like AIDS and yeah. Stonewall, like is that yeah. like like we lost so much? But thank you, Michael. Thank you, Craig, for yeah. fucking bringing this movie to thank existence. So and shout yeah. out to Alex Bose, who I love so fucking oh. much. <laughs> He's so great. And the story what through his editing is just beautiful. Um, and he kind of put this uh, together. So thank you. Um, yes, we're gonna take yeah. a we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we have our listener questions of the week. We'll be right back. Bye-bye. Tony Show. All right, we are back with the show. That was fucking fun. That was so great. I'm so glad they came by and shared that. I mean, everybody needs to see that. If you listen to the show, you should see that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, if you are a queer person, a queer ally, like, that taught me so much. I learned about where trade came from. Yeah. Some, and, and how and how terminology has uh, changed the years. Because I look at trade, I call trade like anyone I bang now. Because I look at it as like a trade for services. It's like I'm trading, yeah. I'm trading one That's dick for I the other. That's what I thought too. Yeah, but, but, but apparently it was like straight uh, when you were finding like a closet case. It was trade. Mm-hmm. Well, see, you know, sometimes I think about uh, the guests uh, that come on the show because I'm like, maybe this will teach uh, Maxwell something. I'm always down to learn about some gay shit. Like, it's like when you get, you know, some of the other people around, I don't know, like the politic people, like the comedians that are comic driven, like political driven. I'm like, what are you talking about? Nobody wants to laugh at that. It's so sad. Hey, you need to fuck up. You need to know. Okay. 
I don't need to laugh about it though. You're oh, you're right. You're right. Um, all I right. Digest, I could watch it with my boyfriend David Mernon, and uh, that's how I like to learn about politics, not by comics on this show. In a half hour segment, in a half hour segment on ABC. It, it's twenty minutes and it's amazing. <laughs> Speaking of amazing, we do these listener questions every week. So if you'd like your questions, concerns, comments, critiques read on the Tony Soto Show, all you have to do is go to the TonySotoShow.com and uh, leave us a message. Type it in. Listen, guys, type it in. You got nothing else going on. Type it in. All right. Keep uh, it short, but type it in, girl. Keep it short, but type it in. All right. Well, listen, uh, I, I'm going to read the first question. And it is from Pandemic Casanova. And it says, I have never been into apps, but since this quarantine, I downloaded Tinder and I am really good at it, I think. (laughs) I have been chatting with four guys, but as they loosen restrictions, I'm getting nervous because what do I do when I actually have to go on dates? Should I whittle down to one guy or try to keep all four on the line? I mean, well, first off, as a person who's never been on the apps, uh, rule number one, you always ghost on apps. So you really shouldn't be that stressed about it. <laughs> like, I have a feeling they might ghost you before you even get around to ghosting them. So Yeah, look at you thinking these are probably husbands. Major husbands. Yeah. yeah, girl, rule number one, ghosting is priority. <laughs> um, first of all, I don't know if you... Uh, uh, because you're you're getting nervous, so maybe maybe you don't want to be dating. So, you know, don't stress, girl. Yeah, don't don't stress. Well, I don't listen. I I have I I have the grinder to haul up, but I'll tell you, they they just seem. I couldn't imagine having a Tinder. Like, how useless is all that right now? You know what I mean? I mean, it's more conversations. I would actually maybe like that more than grinder because I feel like all you do is talk about how you want to bang when this is a quote-unquote all over <laughs> like you know like at least you're talking to these people about maybe like nicer things can't even send pictures on tinder but can you, you i mean i don't but have you kind of felt like because like i kind of remember the first three weeks of the pandemic everyone's like after quarantine there's like photos of like uh pornos like we're like some guys coming on a dude's face like crazy or you know like a lot of innuendo about getting fucked i feel like that's kind of died down i feel like not everyone is well because i think people have realized that we might not be even t- even if we get to go outside we still aren't allowed to touch other people for what seems like a very long time and also if we can just piggyback to our last episode i think there's a lot of people who are doing it anyway well so I mean, I haven't heard anybody saying that, but I, I mean, don't know. listen, yes, this is all alleged. It was Memorial Day weekend, and I saw a lot of people having barbecues with a lot of people in their backyard. A lot of people in pools. Them. People are all like, "Well, first of all, I would like to say the people being like, oh my god, there was a big old pool party in the Ozarks.' There, uh, it's the Ozarks. You're not seeing a lot of college graduates in the Ozarks. Okay, so fucking don't be surprised that you saw a bunch of bras." And broads in the fucking pool. Yeah, I mean, you should definitely, I mean, you also have to consider this, though, like, I mean, if you talk to these, go on dates with these people, you're going to be stuck with them. Oh, yeah, we got to bring it back to Tinder. You have to be quarantining. 
good, good. quarantining or whatever, right? Like, I mean, maybe you could get this uh, person, to all four of them, to quarantine with you. That could be kind of hot. I mean, I think that you should just... You should quarantine with them all and have a gig. You, Make an OnlyFans. No, you should just... Oh. You should just ride out Tinder for what it is. What it is right now is y'all just talking. And yes, it probably won't be anything but that. Yeah, they'll probably just ghost you. They'll probably um, wake up and realize that they... I don't know. But congratulations on being good at it. Because I don't think I'm good at it. I don't think I was ever good at the apps. I feel like I'm too self-deprecating because I'm humble. You know, so I always want to be like, what, what, me... You know, so that, yeah. way, that way when the they apps, see me, they're the like, are, you're amazing. The apps are hard. So yeah. good job. Congrats on that. Yeah, I'm not That's trying to fucking, I'm not trying to be all witty and entertaining and shit for you. Um, okay, next question. Okay, Anna writes, you all in caps, you must comment on RuPaul at the reunion. Well, we just learned in uh, the set last segment that you haven't been watching did you not watch the reunion no how embarrassing to say that in front of poor michael too he works so hard on that show he does so much and I mean, uh, but but uh but i wasn't about to get into a political conversation on the fact that i wasn't doing it because i don't think they handled joey that well um but uh uh i did not watch the reunion but i did see pictures of her and her uh, uh lucha libre <laughs> shirt uh masks and yeah I watched What I don't understand, well, real quick, what I don't understand is he doesn't do the reunions uh, in drag. So why did, is that to set us up so we get ready to see that in the finale, girl? (laughs) The only thing I could think of was that, because it was like a slumber party themed situation, was that because it looked like a face mask like a facial mask but she didn't want to put that on her face for that long well that's dumb i mean i didn't say it was a good that would be that's the only that's me reaching yeah reaching no for i mean listen for her listen hair so well it how it makes sense it was ugly it was stupid show up as a boy it was fine it would have been fine well how was the reunion were you entertained i was i thought it was really funny yeah yeah i mean i liked the show the girls were good i thought it was funny I mean, I think they handled it well considering the circumstances. Yeah. That they had to zoom and do it. I think you should binge it. Yeah. Because it really is a good season. Maybe like, when it's done. Maybe when it's done. Yeah. Um, I think you should. It's actually a really good season. I think a lot of the challenges are really great. And I'm excited to see who wins. I am very torn between Team Gigi and Team Jada because I think Gigi is really fierce and she's a friend. And who's of- the third one? Uh, Crystal Method, I bet she's who is the kooky tall. one from Missouri. Yeah, the one who uh, looked like the '80s singer that. Yes. Uh, Got it. DeBarge. Um. Well, I. I mean, look. I just think it looked ridiculous. But I mean, who am I to judge? She had to have known. She looked in the mirror for, before it started. You know, she did. It's not like she just fucking was like put on the mask and went straight to filming. You know. Uh. It seemed odd. It seemed like a choice. It was a choice, right? Yeah. I mean, it was a bad choice for sure. <clears throat> okay. Last question is from Anonymous. And it says, I feel like an idiot. I bought a my pillow a year ago. <laughs> I love this fucking my pillow saga. Um I, oh, 
I did not know that the guy was a Jesus-loving crackhead. I feel so ashamed, but it's not a bad pillow. I did bite it in the last time. Uh, my BF fucked me. Just for you. Great pod always. <laughs> well, shout out for us getting thought about while people are getting plowed by their boyfriend. That is like, we've done it. We've made it. Have we? We're stars. Have we made it? I would think so. I mean, isn't that Could you imagine hard? hearing this voice and thinking about this voice when you're biting a belly? I mean. <laughs> or that um, one? I mean. <laughs> I mean. I mean. I mean, you know. You know. You know. Did you get um, his book? Did you get his book? Is that how you got the pillow? Or did you buy the pillow a while ago? Um, I he hear, says he bought it a year ago. I hear they're good pillows. I've heard that too. I mean, they're like $80. They better be a good pillow. Yeah, because it's, it's... Listen, there's a slave somewhere in there in that whole process. <laughs> I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah, where are those pillows made? Are they made in the USA? Yeah, they are. They are. They're made, oh. they're made in Minnesota, but I don't know where the product, the products come from Jesus land. So they're assembled in the USA, you mean? Yeah, they're sewn here, I guess. Well, I have a lot of questions. Me too. I do too. But, uh, but yes, the MyPillow, I, I'm very tempted to see if the book's on Audible. <laughs> but the last. You should see if it's on YouTube so you don't give him your money. See, yeah, because the last time I did that, the last time I was like, oh, I'm going to buy a book uh, and, and listen to it from someone I hate so I can be more well-rounded and open-minded, um, it was Chris Christie's book. And I think I did one and a half chapters, and I can't listen to him heavy breathe. So it's not something that I want to be doing with my life. Yeah, girl, look it up on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself the money. Don't give that pillow magic guy any more money. Don't you do it. Don't you do it. Um, but I hear the sheets are gorgeous. Um, well. What's the thread count on those, baby? <laughs> I hope, listeners, that when, uh, after you listen to this episode, that you go and you Google, uh, P.S., um, burn this letter, please. Um, because, and then when, once it's out for the public, like, go check it out because it's a great film. It was good, right, Maxwell? I loved it. Max, Just to clarify again. And Maxwell's a dumb millennial, it. see? Like, and so the thing is, is like, he, he, he took something from it and that's, that makes me happy. It was like Paris is burning, but even bigger and more. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I older. learned so much more. Much older. Much older. Yeah. Like, it was a different. That was, was the thing. Time. That was the thing. Like that was the uh, watching it. You're being like, oh shit! At some point, I will have not put on a dress in a long time, and I'll maybe be talking about it. Uh, Maxwell, <laughs> tell people whatever you want to tell people right now. Um, uh, just keep up with the buffoonery at Maxwell Esposito on my Instagram. Not I don't know what I'm gonna do, but not the buffoonery. I mean the buffoonery and the fooler Tom foolery. <laughs> Watch me talk about labors of loads or whatever it's called on Fox. <laughs> oh, we can't, we can't with you. Um, is that it? I better hear what? Is that it? You better hear what? It. You better hear what? I want to hear you talk about it next week. I want to hear. I better come back and hear you be like, What's I love called? loads of labor. I think it's called labors of love. It's okay. on Fox. It's on Fox, and it's so okay. yeah. And, it's so bad. It's so good. You just it's just the first episode. So we could keep up. I can't wait. Um <laughs> can't wait for that. 
so, guys, on May 27th at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, I'm going to be doing an Instagram Live with uh, Sebastian from California Street Cannabis Company. Uh, I'm going to be, and at 4.20, I will be sparking uh, one of those tarantula joints that are all covered in Keith and whatnot and do a little review. So uh, tune into that on my Instagram at the Tony Sutter Show. Also, on um, May 30th at 6.30 p.m., I'll be performing at Precinct's five-year anniversary on Bitch Puddin's Twitch page, which is twitch.tv slash bitchpuddin'. Um, and also learn the words, bitch. Learn the words is on Monday. June 1st. June 1st, learn the words, bitch. And Maxwell is going to run the show. Well, I think the Taco Bay is probably going to be running the show. It's going to be a joint effort. He's standing here. We're going to work together, right, babe, on the show? Yeah. Just, what? Worry, I will be able to do it. He uh, said, don't worry, I'll be able to do it. But it's going to be a group effort. We well, will be able to Well, do what it. I want you to do is be taking notes so that way you can learn to do it. Um, okay. However, uh, whatever, just as long as you're there uh and doing it because i'm not I'm, yeah no i've actually made a new playlist so oh i love I that even, i needed to update because it's time so it's 7 p.m pacific standard time on zoom if you want to come to learn the words bitch you have to follow learn the words bitch on instagram at learn the words bitch and we will release the access code 30 minutes prior to the show time at 7 p.m so please come enjoy the faggotry. I'm excited about the uh, cast. Also, I am the Tony Soto Show on everything. Please look at my content and all my <laughs> stuff. Right? Just pay attention to me. Look at me. Look at me. Until next week. Bye. Bye.